about five months ago, we started on a journey into the book of Acts. Yay. And in five months' time, we've made it through seven chapters. More importantly, we've lived through seven chapters, which is much more important than how, much, how many chapters we're covering. And uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. In fact, a little bit of review in a moment. But one of the things we've been also um, trying to do periodically um, is to hear uh, a testimony from somebody and from their own experience with, with Holy Spirit. Um, because, um, as you know from the book of Acts, um, we, are, we are given a gift, and that gift is a person, and he is Holy Spirit living in us, who reminds us of all the things uh, that are true, and, um, and brings us life, and brings us power, and all that good stuff. And uh, so, the reason for a testimony, this feels like it's cutting in and out, is it? No, okay. It's just me. Um, the reason f- also for testimonies is when you hear someone's story, it kind of stirs something up inside of you. Sometimes it makes you hungry for more or makes you try some new things or, or just want, you know, to be open to more. So tonight we get to hear from Wanda Lapazinski. So come on up, Wanda. Hello, everyone. Good to see you all. So, to share, yes. Um, So, I started out as a Christian when I was a young teenager, like many people, and um, went back and forth in my journey. And I was in a comfortable place in my, let's say, 30s or so. Actually, it was 40s. You know, I went to church. I was in Bible study. I read the Bible. You know, I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do and I knew to do. And it was good. It was good. Um, But I didn't know there was more. So um, in 2007, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that kind of brought a shift to my life. And... um, kind of put me in a, a different place. So as part of these things that I did, Bible study and going to church, I was part of a Bible study that consisted of women from several different churches. And since they were from different churches, they had different orientations of, of their faith at that time. So some of the people in this group were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they would pray in tongues when we had times of intercession, and that was very different. And some of us were curious, and some people were really against it. They they were afraid. They didn't understand, and they were afraid. So I was kind of experiencing this. I was kind of getting a taste for what um, they had. And I remember one of the women in the group, you know, it came up in a topic one time, and and she was just very simple about it. And she just said, you just ask. You just ask to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that just would ring in my ears. So as I got into this time of, you know, going through procedures and surgeries, I had a lot of time to myself, 
lot of time to listen to worship music. And I just felt a stirring to explore this. So by myself in my room, I just asked. And I just received the gift of tongues right there and then. I mean, I was kind of stunned, but it was so simple. And at that time, giving, when this happened, I just felt like I went to a different spiritual level. Everything changed. The Bible came alive. It was like, you know, reading God's word was just a whole different experience for me. Um, worship music, I was just like, I just got to have it. I didn't want to listen to anything else. So it was really, it was such a blessing. It was such good timing. God was so gracious, you know, to give me that gift at that time. Um, so this began the journey with the Holy Spirit, with Holy Spirit. And um, two things I'd like to share about as I went through the years of learning more and more about Holy Spirit, one was um, the prompting that he gives us. And the second thing was the peace. So for the prompting, this kind of developed, and it's just so amazing to me. But, and it's hard to explain it in some ways, but it's just like I know in my knower, in my spirit, when God is telling me to do something. And sometimes they're very simple things, like go down that grocery aisle. You know, and sometimes there are other things, like, you know, tell that person you really like her red dress. Simple things like that. Sometimes they've been crazy things, like I had dropped off my son at the high school and I was driving home, and it was just starting to rain, and there were two girls walking to school. And God just kept saying, give them a ride. And I'm arguing with God, like, you know, they're going to think I'm crazy, like I'm kidnapping them, you know. But um, it, it just wouldn't lift. And that's part of that prompting is it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back, you know. So I had to turn the car around, and I pulled over, and I asked them, and they did get a ride. I have no idea what that meant at that time, but it was being obedient and the more obedient I was, the more I could hear those promptings, the more I could be sensitive to him. Um, sometimes they have been more clear. Um, I have a friend who's going through a second round of breast cancer. And in the first round for her and in the second, sometimes God will put scripture on my heart or just one truth. And I text her these things. And... More often than not, she's come back later and said, it was exactly what I needed right at that time. You know, it was, I had this doubt or I had this fear, you know, and you just, that was just what I needed. So being obedient, I'm just so encouraged to do it because sometimes I know, and even if I don't know, I feel it's important. So the second part in the journey that I love about what Holy Spirit gives me is um, peace in that I've learned not to force things. I've learned to wait on the peace that he gives me before I go forward. So a lot of times that means not making a decision to go on a trip or, you know, something like that. And I, I just know when I get the peace that, okay, now I'm released to do it. 
So that has been really important to me as well. And it gives me confidence that I don't have to act right away. I don't have to decide right away. I can wait on that peace before I do. So I hope that encourages you. I did want to read um, a little section from 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us for God, by God. And that's what the Holy, what Holy Spirit provides for us is the things of God. Follow-up question. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to go to sit for just a minute. I'm going to ask uh, a follow-up question that maybe some people here might be wondering. Um, you said that um, you know the woman at the Bible study said just to ask and made it so simple. Is there a way you can let us into? I know you won't remember exactly the words, but let us into your prayer closet the next day or whenever that was. What? What did you? How did you ask? Do you remember? I think, it, I think it really was, God, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want Holy Spirit. It was that simple. And my heart was ready. I was so ready for it. And I believed it. That's the best I remember. Okay. Yeah. So, so would, would you mind, and this is just for, for anybody who wants to, just... Uh, we're going to pray. And, and this is the thing about the Lord is he hears your heart. So, um, so if you would just lead them like in a couple sentences where they could repeat after you. And, and the reason being, um, is that, yeah, for some of you, you might experience something right now, but God answers and there, there's going to be times you may pray something now. You may, something may happen tonight, next week. You just don't know, but, but let him know what's on your heart. God, we thank you that you are so good. You are our good Father. So, Lord, we ask that you give us the gift of Holy Spirit. Fill us with Holy Spirit to the fullness. Yeah. So just repeat, Father, give me the gift of Holy Spirit. (laughs) Father, baptize me. With Holy Spirit. (laughs) See, we have to use our words. We do. He puts the desire in our heart, but we got to use our words. So just let him know. Tonight, I'm just saying for those of you where this might be new, tonight as you're going going to sleep, ask him again. Ask him in your own, own time with him. Father, give me the gift of Holy Spirit. I want, I want to be baptized in his power, in his presence. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing our hearts. Amen. Thank you, Wanda. So good. So, how many of you were here uh, last week for Ed Trout? Let's see your hands. So that's a good portion of you, I'd say at least three quarters, if not more. 
Um, so Ed, Ed came last week. He uh, is a prophet, uh, truly, in the sense of the, the fivefold um, ministries that are mentioned, the gifts that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, I just want to share a little bit with you, process a little bit with you, um, because I think it's good to do as a family. I think it's healthy. Uh, so, first of all, um, a few days before um, Ed came, by the way, I, I had never met Ed, nor, nor seen him, actually. So there's a, f- a few people that had uh, encouraged us to have him come, who I trusted. And, and so we did, and I'm glad we did. Uh, but a few days before Ed came, um, God started to get my attention and, and um, speak to me and say, um, you know, this isn't a coincidence that Ed is coming. Meaning, I was taking it very lightly. You know, now the speaker's coming, we'll just do what we do, and it'll be great, and move on to the next thing, and it'll be great. And, you know, we all can do that in life. We just kind of go through the motions, or we're used to doing things. And God was saying, this is not one of those used to doing things time. I'm like, okay. Talked to Suzanne about it. We started praying differently. You know, we said, okay, Lord, we're, we're opening up our hearts to what you have. Um, so I, I mentioned him being in the fivefold gift. We talked about this afterwards. We had an elder meeting a couple days ago, and uh, we talked about what happened. And we said, there's, clearly, he is in the office of prophet. We, we, our spirits know that. Um, again, those are listed in, in Ephesians 4. But part of what that is, is, is that those that are in the office of a certain, of a prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, um, but in this particular case with a prophet, they, they come to bring alignment, um, alignment to heaven. And, and um, just so you know, prophets stir things up. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and uh, he did. He stirred some things up. He met with the leadership, uh, several of the leaders, not all the leadership, but several leaders beforehand and spoke different words to them. He preached here and stirred some things up. Then he spoke to a lot of, a lot of you. And um, I want to tell you that, that myself and Suzanne, as, as kind of mom and dad of this house, we were feeling somewhat guarded and protective. Just telling you. Because there's someone coming in who's speaking very deeply. And, of course, we know a lot of your story. So we knew that a lot of what he was saying was things he could not know that were coming from the Lord. Um, but also... Um, his style of humor was um, very unlike the culture we're used to. Okay? Enough said. Enough said. Because, because my intent is never to dishonor anybody, but, but actually we're all in a process, right? We're all growing in different ways. So here's the thing. And we, Suzanne and I had to talk about this. We actually had to release some offense in our heart. Do you know offense is actually pretty easy to, to pick up and hold on to? We say, oh, I don't get offended easy, and I don't think that I do. It's still easy enough to get offended, and it's something you have to release, you know, realize what's going on and release it. That's part of the kingdom. That's part of life in the kingdom. And so we did, and in fact, the next night, we went to see him in Campbell. He was speaking the very next night. We got to sit next to Don Lee, and man, he gave her a word that was spot on. And having, it was, it was a very timely word for her. 
And again, because we knew things about her life, we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and now having listened to him two different nights, he preached two entirely different messages. Um, and every single person he prophesied to was completely different. Like there was no patterns of anything. He was just listening to the Lord. So some of you that got like there was a specific disease, let's say, you know, you're not going to have this in your family. We only heard him say that once out of 40 people. It isn't like he's just throwing these things out. So I'm sharing this because we, had to, we actually had to release a fence and say, Lord, we know this is your servant. We know this is your son. We, we want to receive from him. Because what a fence does is it causes us not to be able to receive. We basically are giving it all back away. And the reality is, is, is you have to, with the Lord, take the words, um, whether or not it's in a general sermon or a specific word for you, either way, you take the words back to Jesus and say, Lord, you know, what's, what's true for me in my heart? Um, and um, I'm, I'm sharing these things with you um, because he, he spoke also a couple words directly to, to Suzanne and I, as you would know if you were here. If you weren't, if you weren't here and you're curious, it's, it's on uh, last week's podcast. Um, well, let me see. Let me go back to this before some of our words. Um, he... I told you a prophet comes to, to bring alignment. God is, I'm going to say this, God is waking us up. This is going to be a kind of a theme here tonight. God is waking us up. Um, for a lot of different reasons, we've been lulled to sleep. And I'm telling you, a prophet comes to stir things up again. It's what they do. They come to, to bring alignment. I, I want to share a dream with you I had, but I'm going to share the short version of it. But about, maybe about two months ago now, I had a very powerful dream of, of a, a lightning, huge lightning storm that was coming in the distance. And it was, it was coming right towards us. And I ran out to it. And as I did, a huge locomotive train was coming towards us. Um, and I knew that the locomotive was actually in front of the, of the lightning storm, letting us know that it was coming. Like you couldn't miss this thing. And, um, and, there's so much more to this dream, but I'm just going to cut down to the part I want to share with you, which is that I know that part, one of the layers of this dream for me was, a, was God saying, yes, a huge move of my spirit is still coming. Don't give up on this. Don't think that you didn't hear me. Don't, uh, you know, many of you who know me, you know that decades ago, I heard a very clear word from the Lord about his spirit sweeping through this region. And sometimes when we don't see things, uh, we can, disappointment can set in and we start to, we start to say, well, maybe that's not exactly what it was. Maybe it looks different. Maybe it's, I don't know, this or that. But God is, was saying, no, this is coming. And this is a part of why, to me, Brent, I called you here to this region because you've been a herald you know, one crying out for a long time. Don't stop now. Don't give up now. Because a big move of my spirit is coming. Now, um, one of the words he spoke to, uh, to myself and Suzanne is he said that, um, trying to find it here. I, I just get off my notes. Um, he said that we would be raising up sons and daughters who would be ministries. He didn't say who would have ministries. I went back and wrote out this entire word and looked at it and have prayed through it. But we're going to raise up sons and daughters who will be ministries. And he said, it's actually, there's nothing you can do to stop it anyway. 
And, and actually, when we look at our history over the last 20 years, we've already seen that's happened. Many, many ministries have been birthed out of here, which is, which is just awesome. Um, and it, it's very much in line with uh, a, another dream that I had probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. Some of you in this room know this dream. Many of you will never have heard it because you're newer here. But in this dream, Suzanne was flying a huge jumbo jet, you know, uh, way up in the sky. And I was in the cockpit, only it, was, it wasn't a little cockpit. You remember this is a dream, right? It was a huge cockpit. It had lots of space in there. And I was launching people, literally launching them on horses. They were on horses. And I would launch them on their horse out of the cockpit as we were flying. <laughs> If you know dream symbolism, that's, there's a lot of symbolism in that dream. <laughs> Did they have parachutes? I guess they didn't need them, Russ, because it was a dream. <laughs> and I guess God had them. Um, so, so that totally fits with, with um, what we've been about, what we want to continue to be about. This is about, about, uh, about those world changers we just talked about. Right, equipping world changers. Um, another thing he spoke um, was about buildings and land. And uh, again, I'm not going to get into all the particulars. You can go back and listen. Most of you were here, but once again, he was saying, you know, there's a building for you guys. There's, and then later he talked about uh, other, uh, you know, buildings and campuses and things. I want to tell you in not just this church, but the previous church. So it's been twenty three years of hearing prophecies, a lot of prophecies from a lot of people, from many of you, but from many well-known five-fold prophets who have said the land is coming, the building's coming. And, and so here it comes again. And honestly, this just got prophesied over us from, a, 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 I think, a fairly well-established prophet about two years ago was the last time. And so here it comes again. And... Um, so fast forward now, this was Saturday night, we hear this word, Sunday night, I told you we went back and, and listened to him again on Sunday night, and while we were in Campbell, and during worship, God starts speaking to my heart, and I start thinking about all these words. I'm like, okay, Lord, what, what is up with the land? What is up with the building? And, and I realized that I had really pushed it all away again. Um, because after, you know, I don't know how many, you can only have so many words and so much time before there's something called disappointment that sets in. And, and it was just easier not to, not to worry about it, not to hope for it. Just, I won't be disappointed that way. So I'm, I know that I'm speaking to some of you here, <laughs> that this isn't just about this. I'm, I'm actually talking to you about something deeper than that, which is um, the Lord started talking to my heart next and said, and reminded me of this scripture. I'm going to skip over this one. Go to the scripture right here. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Isaiah 49, 23. So right in the middle of worship, I'm, I'm just hearing this loud and clear. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. And then, and then he starts overwhelming me with his, his sweet presence. And I realize 
That is so true. Whenever I'm in your presence, I'm not disappointed. Anytime I'm feeling connected with you, I am not disappointed. So the fine line comes when, when, we, when that, um, that hope transfers over into something, into a building, into a healing, into something. And when it doesn't happen the way we thought or the timing we thought, um, that's where the disappointment sets in. And, and so the Lord was saying, yeah, it's, a, it's, a really, it's really subtle um, uh, because Susan just talked about promises. He gives us promises. So, you know, okay, how, how do we do this thing then and not get disappointed? All, all I know, the further along in life that I go, the deeper I go with the Lord, is that I have got to anchor all of my hope in him, all of it in his presence, in his goodness, in his, his faithfulness, his kindness, his mercy. That's where I'm sinking it. And so, Lord, my prayer that night, and I'll just let you in on it, was, Lord, if, this, if, if it's your heart that we have a building, I'm all in. But, I'm, I'm, but my hope is in you. I'm not going to sink it into a building. My hope is in you, Lord. So, you know, it's, I'm just saying, we, we all walk this walk where we don't see the things we thought we were going to see or the timing. And so I just want to encourage you, sink your hope back into him. He does not disappoint. His presence never disappoints. Never. So that's like, uh, there you go. That's the... I know what the, this is the power of vulnerability is that we, we all struggle at times. And so if we could just put it out there, then all of a sudden everybody can together. Yeah, we can breathe. We don't have to have it all together. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. Um, but man, he's going he's gonna to walk us through this. Um, so now I'm going to switch gears to um, we're going to do a little bit with the book of Acts and um, by the way, those of you that got words, I, I was able to connect with a good portion of you, but not all of you. So if, if you got words personally and you would like to talk with me or one of the elders, please do. Um, that's what we're here for. So just let us know, okay? So I thought it would be good tonight. I mentioned that we have moved through the first um, seven uh, chapters of Acts. And, um, and of course, we have people coming in and out all the time, and some of you maybe just arrived. And uh, so I want to play for you um, a video that in a little over five minutes' time is going to catch you up in seven chapters. And it's really well done. It's one we've watched before, the first part of it anyway, only this time it's going to go all the way through chapter seven. And then I'll step back up and we'll, we'll take off from there, okay? All right. Called the Bible Project. If you are looking for this, all this is on YouTube. You can get it for any book of the Bible. They're they're so well done. One of the earliest accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, his life, death, and resurrection, was written by a man named Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke. But Luke continued the story in a second volume called the Book of Acts. 
And it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a roadmap for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. That was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus's body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. Which brings us to Luke's tale of two temples. So you've got the temple that Herod built in Jerusalem, where Jesus' disciples worship like the rest of the Israelites. But now there's also Jesus' temple, which consists of people. This temple's meeting together in homes all over Jerusalem, and they were approaching life in a radical new way. Right, think about it. Many of these pilgrims aren't even from Jerusalem, so they formed these new families, and they're all depending on each other. Yeah, people would sell their stuff, provide for the poor among them. They ate their meals together. They said their daily prayers together. They were learning from the apostles what it meant to live as if Jesus is the true king of the world. And it must have been exhilarating. But it wasn't all fun and games. Being God's temple is serious business, just like in the Old Testament. So you might know about that strange story in the book of Leviticus about two priests who disrespect God in the temple and then suddenly die. Well, Luke includes here a similar story of two disciples who dishonor God's spirit in this new temple, and they suffer a similar fate. So there's corruption in the community. But the bigger problem is coming from the outside. Yeah, from the other temple. Its leaders are threatened by this new messianic movement, and so they arrest the apostles, they try to stop them. 
And this brings us to the final story in the Jerusalem section of Acts. We're introduced to a new disciple, Stephen. Oh yeah, Stephen. He's on fire. He steps up as a leader among the disciples to serve the poor, and he would go to the temple courts to teach people about the way of Jesus. So the temple leaders arrest Stephen, and they find false witnesses to accuse him of dishonoring Moses and of being a terrorist who's threatening the temple. In response, Stephen gives this powerful speech about how predictable this whole situation was. Yeah, he retells the whole Old Testament story, highlighting characters like Joseph, Moses, and the prophets, people who are consistently rejected and persecuted by their own people. Israel's been resisting God's representatives for centuries, and so their rejection of Jesus and now of his followers is a rejection of God himself. They get angry, and they start to execute him by picking up rocks and smashing him to death. And as he's dying, he commits himself to the way of Jesus, to suffer because of the sins of others. He even cries out, Lord, don't hold the sin against them. This is basically what Jesus said at his death. Exactly. Stephen becomes the first martyr of the Jesus movement. Many more to come. But this persecution contains seeds of hope, which is why Luke introduces us to a new character here, a religious leader named Saul. He stands over Stephen's dead body and even approves of the whole thing. Wait, Saul, you mean the man who becomes the apostle Paul? Yes, Luke is showing how even this tragic murder can't stop Jesus' kingdom. And so many persecuted disciples scatter out of Jerusalem, and just as Jesus said, they head into Judea and Samaria. Now, the story of what happens there, that's what the next section of Acts is all about. All right. So uh, the last, before Ed Trout last week, the two weeks prior to that, uh, Russ did a masterful job of taking us through the Stevens, um, you know, martyrdom, and um, I was I was reminded when I was thinking about that story of Revelation 12. I don't have a slide for it, but just listen for a moment where. This is, this is from heaven's perspective. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that would be Satan, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So, um, you know this this is a, this is a difficult thing when we talk about uh, martyrdom and when we talk about um, this company of of uh, believers who who really did did things that. Um, they banded together because they had to. Uh, suddenly, we're going to see when, when Saul shows up that suddenly persecution begins. And when persecution begins, they're, they're out of other options. It says earlier in Acts, they had great favor. They had tremendous favor. And I remember reading that early in Acts and thinking, well, that doesn't seem right. Because I, I just remember about all the persecution. But there was a season in which they had tremendous favor. And they were so excited about Jesus. And they were, 
I mean, think about, think about when you get really excited about something. Um, you know, I, I mean, some of us, when we first came to Jesus, yes. But I'm saying, even if you feel like you've lost some of that fervor, think about things you get excited about. I, I could tell you different, different things that I get really excited about. For example, stretching. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You're like, people are looking around like, did he just say stretching? Yeah, I did. Stretching. Like, like, I get really excited about that because I know how much it's helped me. I know people who have back pains and other things. I'm like, man, especially the older you get, you have got to stretch. Here's why it's good for you. I'll tell anybody about it. Right? How about, how about uh, I'll just share one more with you. There's this, the Enneagram personality uh, styles. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Enneagram. Anyway. I, I would actually sit and tell you about it because it's helped me so much with self-awareness. It's a, there's a Christian base to it, but there's so much God has shown me about my life. Now, why is it, why is it that these early uh, believers were so excited about Jesus? They, they told everybody. They went, whatever the need was, they had the answer. They did inside of them. And, and there, there are times in which we'll do that. But I want to say, I believe the enemy has been putting us to sleep for quite a while. I'm talking to all of us. No, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm including myself in this. And some of it has to do with, with our, uh, most of you have grown up in America. That has a lot to do with why we've been put to sleep. Uh, we, we've, we've gotten very comfortable, um, just American society in general. Uh, we don't really know too much about persecution or about martyrdom. I'm not saying I'm not saying everybody, but most do not. We don't, and so I believe tonight. And what I what I want to do is ask the Lord, and I've been asking Him myself for quite some time: is wake us up, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up, because clearly things are are escalating in a good way. Things are heating up in a really good way around the world, especially if you want to look and, and, and if you see, think things are really bad and around the world, if you're watching too much news, I have some great news for you, and that is that light wins. And there's, there's, a, there's a move of God that's coming, and he's been preparing us. And that's why he would send a prophet named Ed to stir things up a little bit, even if we get a little offended. God's okay with that, to stir things up a little bit. He would do that for us. So, so tonight, I want to talk about God's ever-expanding kingdom. We're going to look at the first uh, eight verses of, of chapter 8. And uh, that certainly could be Jesus in the middle of that that's expanding. But I also want you to know, each and every one of you, that Christ in you is a reality. That means the kingdom of God is expanding within you and out of you at the same time, out of all of us. And this has always been the plan, and nothing's going to stop it. Do you understand that? We're, we're involved in a kingdom that will not cease, that will not end, that will not diminish. It's only going to expand. And anything that the enemy or anybody else tries to do to stop it, in the end, works against what they were trying to do. And that's exactly what we see here in the first uh, eight verses of chapter eight. So let me just read. There, there it is, right at the beginning. And Saul approved of their killing him. They're talking about Stephen. There's Saul looking, approving. I believe one of the reasons why Saul got mentioned firsthand is, of course, because 
because Luke, the author, he's telling a story, so he's bringing in a character because we know what's going to happen to Saul. And this is the, the story here is that God can change anybody's heart. I don't know if you remember when you know ISIS was a huge, you know, huge threat and 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 bringing a lot of fear to people. Uh, you know, I, I realize that's kind of calmed down uh, in the last you know lately. But I'm saying this that when that happened, I remember us years ago at Blazing Fire, we were crying out for the Sauls to become Pauls in ISIS. See, that's the prayer. Not, not to be gripped by fear, but to say, Lord, you did it. This is what you do. You turn people's hearts. So there was Saul. He was approving of it. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So for the most part, most of the people that were there, that was their time to take off, just as Jesus said was going to happen into the surrounding areas. But the original, the 12 apostles, they stuck around, which we'll read about in future chapters. It says, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And we know, of course, many Christians were killed. Um, Saul, uh, sorry, Stephen um, was mourned deeply. Very appropriate. You know, you, someone that they knew, that they loved, amazing, amazing friend, amazing man, killed, you know, uh, horribly, tragically, of course. To mourn him is absolutely appropriate. And I want to say, you know, then that didn't stop Saul. He, he kept on his rampage of, of how many Christians can I imprison and kill. Um, I want to I say this, that, that evil um, will never make sense. No matter how much we try to look at it, no matter how many questions we ask, evil will never make sense. So don't try to make sense out of evil. Evil is evil. But this is why we, we so need to, uh, to know that, uh, that evil is not from the Lord. That God is good and the devil is bad. And we can't mix those two up. I know this sounds really basic, but I'm telling you we get it mixed up all the time in our heads. And we start asking God why. We, we see the evil. Why, Lord? Um, what I want to tell you is that God is sovereign, but he's not in control. And that's really going to bother us, especially because so much of our lives we've, we've said that God's in control. It, it brings a lot of comfort to us. God is sovereign. God is brilliant. God, God takes turns all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? That's Romans 8. 28, he turns, he turns all things to good, but that doesn't mean he causes all things. And and it's so important that we understand that. Otherwise, otherwise, if we're attributing all things to God, then he is that terrible father who slams your hand in a door and then says, oh, here, let me kiss it and kiss your boo-boo. That's just, that's deranged. I mean, really. And, and yet that's, that's sometimes been our theology. God didn't step in and stop Stephen from being martyred. He could have. 
Did he use it for good? Absolutely. You know, the Bible talks about how the blood cries out. Like, this is all part of a greater picture. This is, this is why even in Hebrews 2, it, it, it says that, 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 that Jesus' death takes away that fear of our dying so that we understand this life is not all there is. There's something so much bigger going on. But we've kind of, we kind of lost all that, in, especially in this country, because it's not our reality at all. And so, you know, our biggest, our biggest uh, frustrations for most of us in our daily life is how much traffic we run into, um, you know, whether, whether our DVR was on for the game we wanted or, you know, these really big things. I'm, I'm joking and I'm not joking. I'm saying this is why we have the jokes about our first world problems. If you want to see a hilarious YouTube video, you can watch first world problems, but we're not going there right now. It's a... It's a lighthearted poke at, at the truth of the things that we think are aggravations. Some of, some of us have, we, some, there, there's no question there's been suffering in this room and a lot of it because evil is real. So I'm not trying to make that lighthearted at all. Uh, and I am, but I am saying that that wasn't God who caused that. If God is in control, then, I, then somehow that means he's, he's put his green light on that. No, he really hasn't. That was never his intent for evil things to happen to you. Never. Never. But his promise is, I'm bigger than that. And I have ways of, of bringing healing. He didn't promise you you wouldn't be in pain or you wouldn't have trials or troubles. What he did promise is that he would heal you. He would walk with you. He would heal you. And in the end, you are actually going to be part of, of the very thing that is the payback against the evil of the enemy. Your life is going to be the payback because of all the light that you shine, because of all of your healing and how many people you heal. And if you're thinking, well, that's a never-ending game. No, I've told you light wins. What I mean is, this is what's happening in the kingdom. This is the people being saved around the earth. You, could, you can even statistically uh, know that, that the, the numbers of people being saved is astronomical daily. Of those coming to Jesus, this this light is expanding. Darkness is getting weaker and weaker. Um, I'm not saying the enemy doesn't scream and howl and rage and do bad things, but I'm saying he's losing. Yes. This is this is coming to an end. This is where, where you know everything is going to come to every knee bowed, every tongue confessing Jesus is Lord. This is where it's going. I just want to remind you, this is where it's going. So it doesn't make sense. Our Evil doesn't make sense. We cannot make sense of everything that happens in our lives and the, the frustrating things and the, the pain and the family relationships and abuse. There's no, there's no good answers for those things. But I am reminding you that light is winning and that you are, you are on the winning team. Okay? This is what's going to happen. Uh, here, here's the scripture about light winning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. That's Jesus, of course, we're talking about. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And here you go, the, 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 the capstone of this verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Here, here's that last verse in the Passion Translation. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. Here's one more. I don't have this one up on the screen, but listen to this in the voice translation. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. This is the truth. This is the truth. So now going on in in chapter 8, it says that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So we're not talking about the apostles. We're talking about everybody else. Those who were scattered. Why is this so important? Because that's us. This is us. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. And I'm saying God's waking us up again. The enemy's tried to silence us. But, but it's, it's, it's time for the church to wake up. And, and Susan just said earlier uh, that we're not going to, this isn't going to happen because we just say, okay, let's go then. You know, double let's go. Let's really go. No, that's not how it works in the kingdom. <laughs> it's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's by your spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord. So, so he's waking us up, but we have to agree. This is the way it works in the kingdom. It's his power. It's his might. He's waking us up. And as he does, we have to agree. Yes, Lord, wake me up. It's one of the reasons why tonight we were speaking to our spirits. When you're speaking to your spirit, you're telling your spirit, wake up. Yoo-hoo, wake up. Because your spirit knows what's up. Your spirit knows what's up in the kingdom. Your spirit knows things deeply. But our problem is, as, as Susan mentioned earlier, is that we're used to operating in the soul realm. It's how most of the world operates. What do we think about that? Uh, let's see. I don't know. Well, how do I feel about that? And then that's how we make our decisions. I'm not saying those aren't important. I'm saying there's actually something deeper, something better if we can learn, have Holy Spirit help us learn what, what does it feel like to let our spirits take the lead, to let our spirits drive the car and let our souls uh, sit in the back seat. They can go along for the ride. That's where he's taking us. So our spirits say yes to being woken up by him. And I'm telling you, we've been silenced. And, and in America, it's not persecution for the most part. I, you might say, well, the laws and the... I get it. Okay, there's some persecution that way. I get it. But honestly, for America, it's been much more subtle. We've, been, we've just been lulled to sleep. It doesn't really matter. Or, who are you? This is that accusing voice. Who are you to tell someone that Jesus is the answer? Who are you? been very subtle. And so we, we think, well, yeah, who am I? Maybe I should just not say anything. And yet we have the very thing that everybody is longing for. I, I understand they don't all know it yet, but I'm telling you, something's missing in every heart that doesn't know Jesus. Every heart that doesn't know Jesus, they're longing for him. They just don't know it yet. So there's a hundred different ways that we can approach somebody and encourage them 
Um, but I want to I encourage you that it's time to tell your story. Wasn't Wanda's story powerful tonight? In, in just a couple minutes' time, it, it did something. It stirs you up. I'm telling you, your story is your most impactful weapon you have, if you want to call it a weapon. But it's the, it's the most important, powerful tool you have to tell people about Jesus. Like I said earlier, what are the things you would tell anybody about? I told you a couple of them earlier, right? What, would you, what do you get excited about? We all do at times. You know, there's a new app on my phone. Let me tell you about what it can do. And we have Jesus. We have Jesus. So we're going to have to start opening our mouths. We're going to have to start taking some chances. I don't, maybe you have seen this in, in uh, I've, we've lived here in, in um, uh, Pleasanton for 30 years. And um, I remember back in the day when they, when they would, would prophesy, you know, you're going to reach the nations, but the nations are coming to you which of course is true in the Bay Area, right? But I'm saying in Pleasanton, that wasn't very true 30 years ago. It is now. It is now. And, and the reason why I'm saying that, it, it's not about nationalities, ethnicity. I'm saying this. I'm saying God has brought the world to us and we're making assumptions that everybody knows about Jesus and they don't really want him. Do you know that most people don't know about Jesus anymore? I mean, this is the honest truth. Most do not. Like you're going, you're like hemming and hawing, like, well, I don't want to, you know, offend you. And they don't even know what you're talking about because we won't actually say something. People are looking for Jesus. And, and how you can encounter people is through their needs, their marriage that's falling apart, their body that's falling apart, something that needs Jesus. And you're like, instead of saying, hey, I got a new app on my phone, you're like, hey, I know this guy and he's sure healed my life up. Do you want to hear about him? I'm telling you, people are going to want to hear about Jesus. They will. Now, I am speaking to me as much as I'm speaking to all of you. And I want to tell you, the enemy has done a number to try to um, discourage us. I remember um, about, I don't know exactly how many years, 15 years ago, about when we went out. Some of you were there with us. We went out to a place, uh, to the movie theater where Hacienda is in Dublin, Hacienda Crossings. The big movie theater, Starbucks, you know, all the stores around there, and it's a hangout place. Doug Addison actually got us out there originally. And we went out to uh, begin to basically prophesy to people and share with Jesus about them. And I remember the very first night we went out, we all paired up. How many of you were there? Raise your hand if you were there. Weren't you there, Bill? I thought you were, but anyway, I'm pretty sure you were. You certainly were out at Hacienda a lot. Uh, handful of us were there. We paired up in twos, you know, gave us some training and stuff. Then we went out there. And um, I went with Amy Knight. Some of you know she leads the, the, the prayer, house of prayer, um, prayer furnace. And um, so she was an elder at our church at the time. So the two of us are going around. And if I could be really, really honest, we would probably had like, a, hey, this is going to be great. We're going to, this is so cool. We're going to tell people this is going to be great. And we get out there, and the, we, we go up to a woman, and we say, hey, we just, you know, we, I don't remember what we said, but we want to just tell you about Jesus, and she was, can I say pissed here? <laughs> oh, was she mad? She's like, 
I am so offended that you would say that to me and use that name. Something like that. I don't know exactly. It was a lot of years ago. But here was me and Amy, and we were like this. Yay, 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 yay. We, <laughs> we ran away, and honestly, we kind of looked at each other, you know, like ashen face and like, well, that didn't go well. And trying to play it off, but you can't because you're like, oh, like, really, really, this was not good. So we, we didn't, we pretty much like tried to waste some time and not talk to anybody. And then we went back. This is just being real with you. So we went back. And that night, Doug says, okay, how was that for y'all? All right, we, I want you to get up and share your testimony if, if something good happened. And I'm telling you, this line, not here, but in the church, it went halfway around the building. One by one, people are going up. And then we said this, and then they came to Jesus, and this person got healed, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And Amy and I looked at each other, and we said, oh, we're getting back on that horse. We're going out next week. And we did. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I never encountered in all the years I was out there anything like that. Not once. Not one other time. Do you think that just maybe the enemy wanted us to, to be taken out and never try that again? So I'm just saying, even if you've had a not-so-good experience, and sometimes, I'll just be honest too, sometimes those not-good experiences happen in our families, right? And so I'm saying, try someone other than your family then. Uh, someone who doesn't know you so well, you know? We'll pray for your families. Jesus is bringing them in, I promise. Actually, that is a word for each one of you. Because of you, Jesus is drawing them in. Just be a light. For your own families, I, honestly, just be a light. Just, just love them. Uh, but I also want to encourage you to get back out there and, and to try again. Let me just finish this really quick. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. When the crowds heard, uh, sorry, the, <laughs> proclaimed the Messiah... When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So here we see the power of the Holy Spirit in operation. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. We got power evangelism going on here. So there was great joy in that city. Tonight, I don't have time. We're out of time. Another time we'll talk about deliverance. We can talk about, we talk about healing all the time here. But but yeah, with the preaching comes actual demonstration of, of God's power. And um, I want to, I, I mentioned earlier how um, how nothing's going to stop God's kingdom. And so here, persecution did just the opposite. Here was uh, Saul and others saying, if we just squash this thing now, it's got way too much favor. We're just going <clears> to... <throat> as much as we can. And all it did is went in every direction. This is the kingdom. This is what's going to happen. It'll even happen in your life, personally. So it's not just the corporate body of Christ, but I'm saying in your life, when you get particularly squashed or hurt or damaged, I'm telling you, in the end, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you let him heal you up, you're, you're, you're going mm, to impact so many people. So do not, do not give up hope. I want to end with this scripture, and then I'm, I'm actually going to um, invite you up if you want to wake up. That's what we're going to do tonight. Um, so 
this scripture. Check this out. Ephesians 5, this is verses 8 to 10 and 13 and 14. It says, once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Your mission, do you want to know what your mission is? Here it is. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. See, there's a process here. You're going to start learning what makes his heart happy. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. So now your soul will get enlightened. This is why the scripture says, Arise, you sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and the anointed one will shine his light into you. Earlier, I, I just want to invite you to, to come up. Earlier, I, I, I was imagining, I mean, I could see uh, time that we're going to spend together. I want to pray over you, and I want you to pray for yourself as I lead you, so, just, so that you will know what to pray for. But especially... I mentioned the subtle, subtle, subtleties of the enemy, but things like feeling like you're just going through the motions. You, um, you know, you're, you're feeling dry. You're feeling unproductive in the kingdom, not fruitful. I don't know my purpose. It can look like a lot of these things. And I'm telling you something. It's not all you. That's a big lie, and it's what keeps us isolated and locked down is when we think, what is my problem? How come I can't get it together? How come I can't get going? I want to tell you, we do have an enemy, but we have authority over, over that, over, over those, those things that keep us falling asleep. So I want to pray over you, and I would like you to pray over yourself, because you're going to have to learn to do that. You can't just come to a service and get prayed over. That's great. I love doing that for you. But I'm saying you're actually going to have to learn, especially when you're feeling something is off, that you actually use your words and use your authority because things will shift. All right? So I'll tell you why. I could pray over you where you are. My hope, I would never manipulate because that's not who I am. But my hope is that you would all come forward. But but the reason why I'm having you do this is because it's an action. Like you're saying, I want to wake up. So come on up. Come on up. We're going to pray together. Just, just cram in. <sighs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. This is so good. I, I, I know that the Lord told me that tonight was going to be super uh, impactful. Um, it, what was going to happen was going to be uh, transformational. See if you can't move in a little. Everyone scoot up a little because there's some people in the aisle. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. This is great. Because honestly, this is family. We're family. So, so nobody's, um, nobody's done anything wrong. Nobody's on the hot seat. I don't know what your family was like growing up. This is not like that. <laughs> this is like we are all for each other and we're trying to help each other to say it's time. It's time for the time we're living in to wake up. So I wanna, I'm going to pray a few things over you. 
And then I'm going to actually just lead you in some prayer for yourself. And I want to, if, if uh, uh, Diane in particular, because you were praying earlier, Diane, if you have something you want to pray, come and join me, okay? All right. So, Father, thank you so much that, that we come as your children, and we, we thank you, God, that this is, this is, we didn't come up here to get our acts uh, together, you know, for ourselves. We can't do that. We came up here, God, to say we need you, and we want you to wake us up. Just as we just read, to wake up, O sleeper. Wake, in fact, just tell yourself that. Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper. Again, you're not tearing yourself down. You're just saying, whatever in me is asleep, I, I wake up through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I take my authority, the authority that I have been given by Jesus, to, to cut off of you any spirits that are causing you to be lulled to sleep in Jesus' name, any spirits that have been restricting you, whoa, causing you to feel like you have no purpose, causing you to be dry, causing you to go through the motions day after day, wondering how am I going to get unstuck. I cancel the assignments off of you in Jesus' name. Ah, in Jesus' name. Wow. And to any higher level spirits, I say the Lord rebuke you. And you're going to get your hands off of God's kids, God's sons and daughters. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So I would, I would like you to just pray after me. Lord, I receive your freedom. Whoa. I receive your spirit. Your spirit that empowers me. Lord, I ask you to open the eyes of my heart so that I can see who you are. And so that I can see who you say I am. Wow. I am filled with light. I am filled with love. I am filled with your spirit. I am alive. I am alive. I am alive. Whoa, for this time and this place in history. Yes, 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 Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And so, Father, I'm, I'm asking again, I'm just releasing again all of the gifts, stirring them all up again. The healing gifts, the prophetic gifts, the evangelistic gifts. Whoa. The freedom gift. Some of you are here to free people. You're here to free people. So I just release it. I stir it all up again. And I say, Father, remind us. Remind us. Suzanne, um, real quick, where are you? Come, Suzanne, come here. Real quick, please. I, this is a good word for everyone. Share. This is going to be for all of you. Share really quick the word, the, the basketball dream. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was on the sidelines, and uh, people, a lot of you know I'm like a cheerleader type person, and I was cheering, and it was a basketball game. And um, 
and in the as I'm cheering, I'm on the sidelines, and all of a sudden it was there was a lull in the game, and the coach came up to me, and he said, "You've been a great cheerleader, but I need you in the game now." So uh, that's a challenge for all of us. As a challenge for all of us, that was like. So I just wanted to say he knows. I was a cheerleader, right? But apparently I had the skills to play basketball. Okay, that, you know, right? Suzanne's playing basketball. But that's the challenge, that's the call to your spirit also. It's time for you to get in the game. All right, and what I love about that is that it, it, he qualifies us, right? It's not like if we look at ourselves, we might think, well, I'm not qualified for that. No, it's his, it's his call. And he says, get in the game. So I just want you to speak up for yourself. It's time for me to get in the game. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is the last thing I, I want to do. I just, I just saw kind of things getting stirred up a little bit here. I want you before, like this is kind of how we're ending tonight, okay? Not our prayer teams in the way we often do things. But I want, you, I want you to encourage at least two or three other people. If it's just as simple, remember earlier we were singing that song, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. I don't know about you, but whenever I sing that, ugh, it does something to me. So even if you're just reminding someone else, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive. If you got more than that, that's great. But I just, here's why. Because we need each other. This is, it is about me and Jesus, that's true. But it's also about the team and the church. And we need to encourage each other. So just get used to encouraging people. All right? So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're all, you're all bunched up. Just turn to somebody and encourage them that they're alive. They're in the game. God needs you. Just tell them. Stir it up.